0: Welcome back, everybody. We're here with episode 19, I think. No, are you kidding it's me? Episode
1: 18. Oh. She
0: just told you it's episode 18. you already forgot. let
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see.
0: Well, my name's Andrea because they already said it. My name's Gabriella. I'm Cindy, and we are Haunted, Haunted Atlantis. Okay, so, this episode... Sidney <laughs> didn't want me to say it, but this episode is dedicated to Mr. 305.
1: <laughs> okay, so this episode's dedicated not just for Mr. 305, Andrea, um, but also, you know, for all the spooky stuff in Miami. Yes.
2: I'm in Miami, Trick. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you know, the
1: fritas. Yes! And you the said Cuban it. You food. made me do
0: it you be me do it. Yes. Ocho, oh,
2: this, hell yes. South mm. Beach. All mm. mm. the homes from the 30s. So is, Miami. Also, hold on. Really quick, said so I'm going to interrupt you. This is also
0: dedicated to our um, hotel that we stayed in, in for your bachelorette. The Savoy.
2: Yes. The Savoy that was, was awesome. from... want to say the 1920s or maybe even later than that i think did we did i ever mention we mentioned it it. it. briefly yeah we mentioned it briefly but um i wanted to personally
0: shout them out and i highly recommend if anybody's going to miami that they check out staying at the savoy because it's absolutely beautiful it's worth it it's so cute and
1: old i just i have a bunch of photos and videos i could post it on instagram it's to die for
0: yes and i'm pretty sure they have that what was it a it used to be a hospital that's next to them that's now abandoned that i was scared of when we were taking i feel like of it's it.
2: their meeting spaces remember like we walked by it that's like what it was right or was no, it the, no no outside
0: at their pool remember it was like completely abandoned and they said something about how it was like used for some sort of like hospital and it's been shut down for a, a while now
2: that, yeah anyway. i want to say like it was like during wartime or something like right. world war one or something it was like the use the typical yeah but it was beautiful and my room was haunted uh i have tiffany who's not into the paranormal at all as my witness that's true the fact <laughs> like that we, we
0: tiffany said it
2: we she's like oh no oh hell no bitch <laughs> <shit> <laughs>
1: oh my god yeah she was freaked out i remember i know (laughs) no
2: like literally it was that haunted chair in the corner like it was moving and then there was like a bag on top and there was like the ac wasn't on or anything like that so it wasn't like the ac but like you can hear like a you know when like a chair moves like that noise yeah and then actually but the bag moving could have been the ac that one I, i think it could have maybe but i didn't feel like I had the AC on, but could I could have. Um, and we were not that drunk when this happened. But
0: yeah, good on Miami. Drunk. All right. So did you have anything else you wanted to share, Cindy?
2: Well, a little background on Miami, Florida. It's a dear place in our heart because uh, you girls obviously would spend the majority of your summers growing up there. Mm-hmm. And then I was born there. And spent the first uh, five years of my life there. And then we would go back four or five times a year growing (laughs) up. Um, But uh, some cool background about Miami, aside from our personal life there, is the fact that it is very haunted due to the gang activity from the 30s. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, (laughs) my God. Yes. Um, So Art Deco... Miami style like it's it's really popular just because I think like the peak of Miami was in the 30s and 40s gangster era and so you'll still see a lot of those those buildings in
0: Miami I'm so excited that you said that now I really can't wait to share my research topic
2: so yeah it's very cool um I'm have a surprise for you guys at the end we're gonna go into Miami a little further and how it's related to us I'm so excited. Well,
1: me too.
2: Okay. Awesome. okay, well,
0: I'm gonna tell my story now. My research topic. I should. I should say. So I did my topic on the Biltmore Hotel. Yes, Cindy's like super excited right now. I know you booze can't see, but Cindy just got so hyped.
2: Oh, I am obsessed with the Biltmore. It's in Coral Gables, right? Yeah, girl, why are you beating me to my punchline? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But um, I love Coral Gables. It's such a cute area, but it's old and haunted and everything that I love. So, I know. Yeah, Can we All please right. go? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, the Biltmore Hotel
0: was built in 1926 by George Merrick, who is a real estate developer best known as the founder of the city of Coral Gables. So, Coral Gables was one of the first pan communities in the U.S., and he was also the founder of the University of Miami. So Merrick and another guy named John McEntee Bowman, a wealthy businessman, they joined forces to build a quote unquote great hotel. So they wanted this hotel to include a 400 room hotel, a country club, a service building, an 18 hole golf course, Polo fields, tennis courts, and a 150 by 225 feet swimming pool, which is still known as one of the largest hotel pools in the continental US. So this hotel was known as a luxurious golf resort and they would host fashion shows, galas, and um, they were really known for their water shows as it was the largest pool in the world for its time. And during the Jazz Age of 1926 to 1942, the hotel would host many guests such as the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, Ginger Rogers, Judy Garland, Bing Crosby, President Roosevelt, and Al Capone, just to name a few. So during the prohibition era, the 13th floor suite was a private and secured gambling joint that was basically under the control of the local mobster gangster mobster gambler at the time edward wilson um and he basically ran that shit with thomas quote-unquote fatty welch and arthur clark who actually were gangsters from new york so they went from new york to miami or coral gables so edward had the 13th and 14th floors under lockdown for his gambling acts and it was even believed he had some members of coral gables police bought off hence why the place was never raided in March of 1929, after getting into a heated argument with Edward, multiple gunshots rang out and Fatty was shot and killed in front of the fireplace. Arthur was also shot with non fatal gunshot wounds to the arm and chest. And the hotel knew what was going on because they actually locked down the elevators leading to these floors. And that way, everybody was able to get away and the speakeasy vanished. So, police never really they caught a few people but they didn't catch enough people to get enough evidence and when um Arthur was interrogated he was not giving the police any information so um Edward Wilson actually fled to Cuba after that so then World World War II came in 1941 and the Biltmore was transformed into a military hospital by the federal government This hospital was named the Army Air Force's Regional Hospital. The Army sealed many of the windows with concrete and covered the travertine floors with linoleum. Linoleum. After the war, the hospital remained, but was turned into the University of Miami's medical school. And that's where the university stored cadavers of the homeless and indigenous, which was donated to them from the city, Um, mostly on the lower grounds these cadavers were kept. The hospital remained until 1968, and then in 1973, the city of Coral Gables was granted ownership of the hotel through the Historic Monuments Act and Legacy of Parks Program. So the hotel's fate remained undecided for about 10 years, and during that time, the building was completely vacant and neglected. Uh, That's when many people would sneak into the supposed haunted building, and then, um, Kids were, were known to frequently sneak into the hotel, so much so that they had to hire a security guard. And I read a newspaper clipping where um, a, this lady was actually interviewed. I forgot her name, but she was interviewed because her and her friends would sneak into the hotel and they claimed to see like apparitions or like window, window um, curtains moving. And so they just ran out of there. Um, and now she just speaks about the story of a bit Biltmore. So finally, in 1983, the city did a, a fall restoration, which took nearly four years and $55 million. It reopened on December 31st, 1987, but closed again in 1990 during an economic downturn finally in 1992 a private hotel organization put in 40 million dollars in two more renovations and it is now registered as a historic landmark guests staff investigators have all reported experiencing some sort of paranormal activity we're getting to the juicy stuff now it is said that a young mother fell to her death when trying to save her 3-year-old son who had climbed up the balcony railing of their high-rise tower suite this mother is known as surprise surprise the white lady <laughs> <laughs> she has been seen to linger in some of the tower suites wandering the halls she even sits on some of the guest beds and sometimes you can see her rushing around the balcony where she accidentally fell to her death Another story is that a married woman was caught cheating on her husband with her lover, so naturally the husband killed them both. <laughs> that was all that I was able to find on that topic. Yeah. While the building was vacant from 1973 to 1983, people would be able to look into the building while standing on the golf course, and they would be able to see the windows open and closed by themselves, see mysterious lights through the windows, and they could even hear the sound of music coming from the hotel. Authorities were sent in when reports of these sightings were heard and 14 police officers with dogs and two detectives were sent in to find the trespassers. Police were unable to find any culprits but they did experience paranormal activity. So they heard breaking glass, witnessed the windows on the top floor open and closed by themselves, and also saw apparitions fleeing down the hallways. Their dogs also sensed entities and ran out of the hotel. So Guests have been teased by entities who open and close doors and play with the lights. People have also woken up to see male entities dressed in hospital gowns looking at them. These entities have also been seen wandering down the hallways, but disappear as soon as people see them. A transparent couple has been seen dancing in one of the ballrooms and vanish into thin air. Not my favorite subject for last. Many paranormal groups have seen Fatty himself being described as a jovial spirit and having a deep appreciation for a good Cuban cigar in women. He seems to enjoy spending his- <laughs> a
2: good A good Cuban cigar in, in women? No. Or- and women. Oh, okay. girl. <laughs> no. Hold your pulses. Wait, okay. And women. Yes, correct. Okay, not Cuban cigars in No, no, not in them. (laughs) Fuck, thank you, freaky. (laughs) No. Daddy,
0: (laughs) freaky. He seems to enjoy spending his afterlife in the Biltmore as he playfully teases people by playing with the lights, doors, and taking lampshades off. Guests have heard his jovial chuckle and seen the word boo written on fogged mirrors in bathrooms. His apparition has also been seen in these mirrors. A paranormal investigation team in the late 70s has recorded EVP of Fatty, and he followed them around while breathing very heavily, and the end of the recording you can hear him with a huge sigh. Fatty really shows his appreciation for women in the elevators. <laughs> a special key is needed to get to the 13th floor as it's usually reserved for special occasions and famous guests, but if Fatty finds you pretty enough, he will bypass the floor you pressed and take you straight to the 13th floor where people have heard laughing talking and the smell of cigars not only that but they can feel a strong presence standing very close to them sometimes the elevator doors will shut on men if a woman gets off on the 13th floor so she is left alone on that floor yes yes waitresses who work in the restaurants have experienced the door to the dining room open for them while their hands were full believing it to be fatty as he is such a gentleman so fatty was known in his living life i should say to be very happy-go-lucky person basically Um, he was described as a gambler for one and obviously he loved the women Um, He loved to drink. He loved to just play around. And I believe he stays in this hotel because so many people come specifically to this floor because this is the floor where they have parties and stuff. So, of course, he's having a ball in his afterlife. But that is the story of the Biltmore Hotel.
2: I love Fatty. I do too. I appreciate him.
0: Even though he was a mob. Mobs oh, I always say I love mobsters. What is it? Gangster. <clears throat> but he Jerry, was a, that was a good one. I know, right? I did it because it was coral gables. Um oh, but also here in New York, gangster. Mm-hmm. He built it. Bring that New York flavor, Miami. Like, hey, I'm walking here in New York. I can't fucking do it. I can't do I can't
2: do that Oh no, like the New York accent is like nails on chalkboard for me. I I can't <laughs> right? really it. I love yeah. it. I prefer the Boston accent over the New York accent. But have you ever seen The Irishman? Seen The Irish? Uh, The Irishman? Oh, no, but I've heard of it. Aren't
0: they gangsters? Irish gangsters? Yes.
2: So, um, not well, they're not all Irish, but, like, the main character is, like, Irish-American. It's Robert De Niro. And in the movie, a lot of them go to Miami. So, like, half of it is in Miami. um, wait, are they? I think they're in Boston. Actually, I don't know. Whatever. So, <laughs> a lot of the northern gangsters go to Miami to like vacation, and then they get their second home there. And um, I feel like the it's been, like yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Florida is heaven's waiting room. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. Um, but I feel like the Irishman was like in the seventies up to t- present, so it wasn't like the thirties. But you can tell that you know. Uh, unfortunately a lot of the gangster activity in the United States a lot of it did end up being in Miami so right. it's interesting mm-hmm. that you you say that yep so this reminds I... me of sorry no you're good continue this reminds me of the Hotel Monteleon that you covered Gabriella from New Orleans yes I was just thinking that <laughs> I appreciate that um this is a hotel story that you picked on Andrea yeah. as yeah. I'm sitting in my hotel. Oh it's shit. Def- it's definitely not the Biltmore. <laughs> <laughs> it's faux <for sure, laughs> show, not the Biltmore. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> I'm in my jacuzzi spa suite, but I am secretly wishing that I was in Miami Biltmore instead Biltmore. of wait sitting here waiting for the snow in fucking like 20 degree weather right now that we're having in freaking Germantown, (sighs) Maryland bullshit
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. I know when I came back from my trip, literally I came from 75 degree weather to 18 degrees I couldn't believe it
2: It (laughs) I like going to Miami, my favorite time going to Miami is in January because like I need a break after like you know all the months of having cold Weather. weather And January is my least favorite month of the year because no matter what the actual temperature is, when you look up, the sky is gray. It's true. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. It's just depressing. It's just very bipolar. There's no consistency.
2: Like, it could be like,
1: exactly, it could be like, oh yeah, it's, it's raining one day, like one hour, and then the next, like sunny as fuck, or it gets cold. I remember growing up, like in the morning, it'll feel like it's like, Twenty degrees, but then later on it's seventy five. Oh, oh yeah, that time of year when you have to bring a jacket, a
0: winter jacket in the morning, and then you have to wear a tank top in the afternoon.
2: Yep, that's <laughs> definitely a thing. And no, it's what's funny is that like when um we moved from Miami to here, I I liked it. Like Alexa cried when she saw her first cow because she's never seen a cow. <laughs> uh You know how in Miami we have we have like, chickens roosters and roosters and chickens, yeah. But um, we never like saw a cow. So she like was crying. She's like, where is this hick bill? <laughs> um, but back then we used to have like truly all four seasons, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And it's like
2: we had snow on the ground for Christmas and fall was gorgeous and but global warming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. so question is the Biltmore is it still a country club? Um, that's a really good question. I don't know.
0: I uh, so My research came from mainly two sites, the Biltmore, the Biltmore Hotel's main website and, um, oh my God, I forgot the name, like a haunted, haunted location website. I can,
2: I can bring it up later, but. Okay. But it's definitely a hotel with a 13th floor. That's so weird. Yeah, dude. It's
1: reserved off though. It's, I just Googled it, and it's still up and running as a country club. So, yes, it's my turn now to um, tell you this story. Um, it's actually funny because, so, obviously, the uh, episode theme is Miami. And I was, you know, looking for Miami stories. And I came across one, and it's amazing. And um, I did some more research, and it's called the story is based off from Miami University. And I'm oh. like, oh, my God, yay. Wow. And then um, turns out. Oh, cool,
2: because the founder of the Biltmore is also the founder of University of Miami.
1: So um, that's funny you say that, Cindy, because the school is called Miami University, but it's not the Miami University in Florida. It's the Miami University <laughs> in Ohio. Be shut up, Nona. So, it's, no, but I want to say it. it because it's an guys, it's a great-ass story and it's so detailed and everything. And I just want to say, they, they're they jealous. They want to be the Miami University in Florida, okay? So <laughs> why? Where is it?
0: Ohio? It's yeah, in Ohio. Utah. So,
1: <laughs> there's, there's two. Yes. Why,
0: yeah.
1: why? Why is the, why is there Miami in ohio i wonder I, I i really don't know i just say hey for shits and googles, they're just they've always wanted to be miami like the that's miami funny. from florida which i've shy i don't blame them it's miami what's there to hate and florida what is there to hate some great shit so they're actually
2: very proud like it's a, it's like a supposedly fun yeah, school yeah but
1: that's hilarious <laughs> i know so he- he. And I was going to just not read it, but it's too good of a story, it's very detailed and organized, I-, I loved it, and it's very interesting, there's a lot of um, extended info, and it's uh, um pretty long, so just bear with me, guys, okay? Alright, so here we go. Um, the title is The Ghost of Helen Peabody. Again, I feel obligated to start with some backstory, so certain elements of the story make sense. There are two sets of people who attend Miami University. You will find students who attend the main campus and those who attend the Western College. There has been and still seems to be a rift between the two. Students who are main campus students, for whatever reason, do not like, quote, quote, Western students. And generally, Western students do not like, quote, quote, the main campus students. I found myself walking a fine line, enrolled as a main campus student, but spent three years living on Western campus. But even before there was a Western campus, but even before there was a quote, quote, Western college program, there was a separate school altogether called the Western college for women. Women. Nowadays, both men and women attend. The Western college for women lasted from 1853 to 1974. Presently, the program is called the Western College for Interdisciplinary Studies. From 1855 to 1888, a woman named Helen Peabody was the principal of the Western Female Seminary. Peabody enjoyed her experiences so much she donated a sufficient sum of money to the university. As such, the university decided to name a dormitory after her on Western College. Peabody Hall. Helen Peabody lived in the building for some time. That would become named Peabody Hall. Prior to this name, it was called Seminary Hall. So about Seminary Hall, the building was completed in 1855 and then burnt down twice. The first time the building was burnt down, it was in 1861. It was rebuilt and burnt down again in 1871. However, when the building was rebuilt, they built in a little higher the second time and so that the original floors were lower than the new floors. Helen Peabody's ghost is often seen roaming the third floor hallways, where Mrs. Peabody lived when she stayed in the building. However, when people see Mrs. Peabody's ghost, they only ever see her from the waist up because she still walks on the original floors meaning her torso sticks out of the floor when she walks the corridors. Now, I should mention that Mrs. Peabody was a firm advocate for the Women's Seminary. Since the building has been remodeled to the sort of assimilate it into the main campus architecture, they have also begun admitting males to stay in Peabody Hall. Helen seems to be displeased from these actions. It's pretty common knowledge on campus that Peabody Hall is haunted by the ghosts of Helen Peabody. However, the hauntings are directed almost exclusively at males since Mrs. Peabody's upset that males are now staying in her building. When you walk into the lobby of the hall, there is a rather large and obnoxious photo of Helen Peabody greeting you. It's one of those photos pictures that have eyes that seemingly follow you. It's been inside Peabody Hall many times and trust me, when I say they follow you, they really do. I can walk probably 20 feet down the hall and they still pierce you from the distance. The RAs, AKA resident assistants, are usually met with the somewhat large task of of deterring main campus students and and other skeptics from taunting Mrs. Peabody's photo. This seems sort of insane, but the story that follows is one that stems from the premise that you shouldn't taunt the photo. It's sort of common knowledge on campus that if you want to see evidence of ghosts in Peabody Hall, you have to somehow call attention to yourself in a negative light. The most common method of doing so is speaking directly to Helen Peabody by talking to her portrait. The story I'm about to tell you is directly from the student newspaper and was a secondhand account told to me by a good friend of mine of the victim's. About six or so years ago, there were two male students who lived in Peabody Hall. Andy Dooley was one of these students. He was also a linesman of Miami's football team. The story was told to me by Dooley's good friend and teammate. The story takes place in the late autumn slash early winter before finals. Dooley and his roommate had heard the rumors of people talking about the ghosts of Helen Peabody. They finally decided they heard enough and would take matters into their own hands. One early morning, the two went downstairs and spoke candidly about Mrs. Peabody in front of her portrait. Some time had passed and the two were studying one night for their semester exams. It was a cool night and the two had their window open to get a nice breeze through the room. In the midst of their studying, a stack of books and posters fell off the top of a stand-up wardrobe they had in their room. It seemed odd to them because the stack of books were on top of the posters. So, one of the roommates stacked up the books and posters and put them on top of the wardrobe. While he was doing this, the lamp next to his desk fell over. The two roommates were starting to get a bit weirded out. The other roommate decided they were going to close and lock the window and the door to the room. After a few seconds of weirdness, the two continued to study. A few minutes later, the lamp fell off the desk a second time. A little rattled, the roommate started talking about what was going on, trying to explain it logically. When the lamp was returned to the desk, one roommate noticed the message light on the phone was on. On our dormitory phones... There's an orange light that will come on when you have a message. Now, leaving a quote-quote silent message wasn't unheard of. It could be done, but not many people did it. Not really thinking much of it, the roommates began to check their voicemail. The first roommate entered his passcode and heard that he had no new messages. Checking his messages, the second roommate also found out he had no new messages. The two hung up the phone and the message light went off. They looked at each other bewildered. Going back to studying, the two turned their, mi- the two turned their minds to their schoolwork, only to, be disru- only to be disrupted again when the lamp fell off the desk for a third time. Again, they found the message light on. After checking their messages and again finding nothing, the two roommates decided it'd be best for them if they unplugged the phone and set it on the floor in the middle of the room. After being rattled so many times, the two began wondering if this had anything to do with what they had said to the picture of Helen Peabody. The roommates decided they had enough and took the phone to their RA, who had been advised against talking bad about Helen Peabody. After a brief conversation about what had happened in their room, the RA agreed he would talk. The RA agreed that he would call the Office of Telecommunications and figure out if any calls had been made to their phone. Since they had unplugged their phone, they had received 200 some calls and messages. When they listened to the message, it was their conversation earlier about Helen Peabody. The two must have absolutely shit their pants. With finals looming, they left their phone in the RA's room, cut their losses with studying, and went to bed. Andy Dooley, the linesman, was a beer of a guy, but an extremely light sleeper. For obvious reasons, Dooley's bed was the bottom book. The other roommate had been sleeping soundly for a couple hours when he was awakened by a loud thud from the wardrobe again. Having enough, he jumped out of bed and turned on the lights and started yelling at Dooley to get up. Nothing. Dooley was not budging again. Dooley was normally a light sleeper. The roommate started flipping out and began violently shaking Dooley, yelling at him to get up. After no avail, the roommate turned to leave his room. Halfway to the door, Dooley sat straight up in his bed, eyes closed, and began saying nonsense in a weird language. The other roommate was totally freaking out and went into another room down the hall to get some sound sleep. The next morning, the two roommates rehashed the previous night's activities. The roommate had left the room asked Dooley if he remembered anything weird about last night. Dooley shook his head violently and started recounting the tales from the phone and lamp. The other roommate cut him off and told him about how he's trying to wake Dooley. Dooley said he did remember something odd. In his sleeve there was a woman standing over him, holding him down in his bed. Dooley said he tried to sit up but was being held back by this woman. The two apologized to the portrait of Helen Peabody first thing in the morning and had a relatively normal rest of the year in Peabody Hall. And that is the story of Helen Peabody of Miami University
2: in fucking Ohio.
1: (laughs) Not Not to be confused with
2: (laughs) Miami, Florida.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which is what this episode is
2: based on. But (laughs) I'm glad that you found this story in your research. So next uh, time we uh, do
0: Hauntings in Ohio, Nana's going to have to do something from Florida.
1: Right? <laughs> I'm like, hey. Uh, that was a good story, though. It was. I was actually kind of spooked out. Remind reminded me of my times in college, you know, when I was living with care and we had, like, a haunted um Warm room so yes yeah, so i was oh, that's, thinking of that. that's another time
0: <laughs> but also it really reminded me of mona lisa because you know our mona lisa upstairs just stares at oh it just stares at you yeah, yeah whenever you look
1: first of all i just want to say the roommate when he was trying to wake up his you know um roommate the football player and he was just like wouldn't wake up and he stood up and his eyes were closed he's just like uh okay and went to somewhere else to Girl, another room to that. sleep, I would have been screaming. I'm like, oh my god, and like getting the RA involved. Stuff, that I shit. used to, I used
0: to do that. Um, when I was little, I would, I like, would find myself like kind of like feeling like I was rocking back and forth and like waking up, and then like I like wake up and I don't know what I'm doing, and then like finally after a couple of seconds, I realize I'm staring at the wall, sitting up, and then like you were. Leia like, would be sleeping next to me and I'd be like
2: okay I'll go back to sleep now you creepy ass kid <laughs> you used to do that I do remember that yeah, yeah the right only thing I remember you doing is farting in your sleep all the time that too that too yes
0: <laughs> some things never change
2: <laughs> for Alejandro <laughs> I had an ex that would always uh wake me up because he was like you farted again <laughs> i was like don't wake me up (laughs) they just suffer in silence
1: (laughs) just accept it like why are you bugging me don't wake me up
0: (laughs) right i think we all hate to be woken up
1: Mm. yeah (laughs) another thing from my story these dumbasses. like that's a lesson learned when the ras especially the ras are telling you don't fuck around with this portrait about the ghost stories and like, letting listen. them know. Like, fucking listen. There's a reason behind it. I Things wouldn't. happen for a reason. I'm like, they're just RAs.
0: <laughs> naked <at> discounts. I know. <laughs> 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 My friend from college, um, his name's Moises. He was an RA. We always talked about the struggles of being RA. I'm like, at least you, you get some money back. Right. God. I, can't, I don't know how he did it. Anyway. That's a really good story, Sissy.
2: Thanks, yeah. Gabriella. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go to the listener portion now. And before that, I have the surprise that I mentioned earlier. And it's a little background story, really quick. So, as you know, growing up in Miami, we have obviously a lot of family members in Miami, like a huge, huge family. And uh, we all grew up with each other. Like, you know, someone would, one person would babysit like all of us, right? Yeah. And then it was just a muck. <laughs> um, and we would all be at the Juan's house in Little Havana. And I was like the youngest one. I was a baby. So our great grandmother, her we call her Mama Concha. Mama Concha used to babysit me. And then all the cousins that are like at least five years older, older than me, they would like run around and and you know, chase chase roosters and whatever, do bad stuff. Climb like chasing cats. Chasing cats. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, so in Theo Juan's house, there was a lot of activity. So I remember being like five years old. I never experienced anything there. However, I heard the stories from our cousins that would experience activity there. And then um, Tata. Tata experienced some stuff there. Abuelito did. And so did Mama Concha. Okay? That's crazy. Yeah. So... Sorry. So... um. My surprise is uh our cousin Katia sent us um her personal tale. Shut up. Did she really? Yes. Yeah. Shut Thank up. You. Yes, Katia. Mm-hmm. Coming Thank you read. So I'm that. going to I'm going to read that and then I'll go into another listener story that we got, but I feel felt like her story was um worth sharing especially in this episode. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, I'm so, so excited. <laughs> Hey cuz, so the story goes like this. We were watching TV late at night while our parents were out partying. Mama Concha, Tata, and Abuelo were sleeping in the back portion of the house. Around 12 or one in the morning, Tata came into the room where we were all watching TV and was upset because we were keeping them up. Myself and Maria got up to leave the room and Tata was in the hallway that goes into the main living room area or towards the back of the house. As we were walking out, for whatever reason, we all turned our heads and looked down the hallway towards the living room. And right at that moment, we saw this six-foot-plus dark black silhouette rock walk by. But right at the same exact moment, he or it stopped and turned to look at us for about five or so seconds and then walked off.
0: That's gross.
2: As soon as the silhouette disappeared, Dada looked at us and asked, Did you see that? And we all could just but nod our heads up and down. We immediately screamed and ran down to the back portion of the house, and Mama Concha woke up from all the ruckus. She said we were crazy and decided to go out and look for the mysterious silhouette. And we all were behind her as she walked to look for the man we saw. Of course, there was no one in the front of the house. She called us a bunch of chicken shits. (laughs) you know what's so funny mama concha before she passed away like when we were all being bad or whatever she was like keep keep it up because when i die i'm going to pull your feet while you're sleeping at night So like the the first like couple (laughs) years after she died like i would just make sure my feet were always covered Okay. i remember you said that before <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but this story is so wild and it's so true and like that's just one of the stories from that house girls like yeah i i remember the stories too so another story um i think i might have mentioned it before but one that i always remember because it was from our cousin olga that passed away unfortunately mm-hmm. but um Olga woke up in the middle of the night and saw a man, like a figure at the end of her bed that was dressed in like 30s gangster era clothing and then walk into the bathroom and he disappeared.
0: I remember that too.
2: And then also, I know this isn't like really real paranormal related, but I'm not sure. Obviously, you know how I mentioned. Hey, booze, I'm just going to explain really quick. So Mama Concha's a great grandmother. And then uh, our abuelo is... Her son, who's our parent, our our mom's uh, dad, right? And then Tata is our grandfather's sister, um, who was like a second grandma to us. So when Olga, unfortunately, was passing from cancer, she saw Mama Concha and Abuelito by her bedside, and um, they say that that's really common. Someone that's passing away. Or was getting ready to pass away, it, they start seeing people on the other side. So that was like a sign Yeah, for the family. Isn't that wild how it's all related? Yeah, it's sad. So our post that we res- recently posted on our story about if your parents have ever mentioned the paranormal to you, like, like I said, mom and dad, never mentioned like ghosts to to me but each of the, each of them had their own paranormal experience. ghost story mhm ghost experience and mom said that she 100% like one or, one of hers was that she had an experience in this house but everything stopped um once they got a priest to bless the house
0: i remember her telling that
1: too mhm what a... Well, it- she- Um, In that same house, wasn't there, like, a secret, like, safe on the floor that they found out? And, like, they did a search about the previous owners and how, like, they're related to, like, the drug cartel or something? Like, I remember someone telling me that. No? No, I never heard
2: about a safe. But I I do remember. What pennies? Oh. Alexa
0: said that outside. Um, she would you find, find pennies. Yeah. And mom was like, Don't touch that. That's like um it's cursed by like witch or, some like, shit. Voodoo or
1: something. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, like a voodoo type. Well, shit.
2: especially during that time, like in the nineties, in the early nineties, when we lived there, there was a lot of like santeria, like brujeria mm-hmm. in Miami, because of like because of like the Haitian culture, the Cuban culture. Right. They're uh really known for practicing practicing that. So uh, there was a couple of times Alexa had some witchy stuff. <laughs> My Poor safe poor poor <laughs> um damn, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say something about that house. Oh, yeah, I don't know about finding a safe on the floor, Nana, but I did hear from someone that like, I don't want to say, like, someone died there, but, like...
1: I don't know why, for some reason, with that house... I feel like someone told me this, but maybe I was just making it up. I really don't remember, but... I was told that the previous owners were doing some, like, illegal stuff and were, like, being chased by the cops and, like, the nearby gas station. Like, they were, you know, like... I don't know, like they got killed or something by like a shootout by the cops or something, and like it was nearby the house, but they were the owners of that house, I'm not sure,
2: yeah, where I feel like I heard a similar story that I'm not sure if it was the owners or somehow that house was related to a gangster from the thirties,
1: yeah, and
2: and now I feel like you know there's some credibility behind that because of the figure that Olga saw,
1: right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that kind of makes sense. Let's say there was like like a safe that was hidden. on, Because the floors are tiled there, you know. But you can't tell because they have to go in the closet, I think. And the closet floor is a tile also. And there's like, a, I don't know. You have to pull it up. Is it all the way in the back? I want to back say, room? yeah. You know that back room? Okay, Cindy, I never liked the back room. I remember going going the farthest I ever went there. Was going to, um, I don't know whose room it was, but where all the bunk beds were. You make a left and all the bunk beds were there. Um, I don't know whose yeah. room. I think that was Sandra's and Lula's. But um, That's where I, that
2: one gangster ghost was saw.
1: Okay. It was well, seen. Anywhere past there, it was always creepy for me. It was always dark. Not just because how like, the lights were turned off, but like, I don't know. I, just I know what you're talking about. Like it.
0: The room on the right. The room yeah. on the right was always dark to me. I yeah, never I hung out always- there. Oh, it was. I never dark. played there.
1: Yeah. No. Nope. So, you and know that. You know... Huh? No, baby, No, I was going to say, it didn't even help how, like, that house was connected to the house, like, you know, next door through the backyard. I think if right. I remember that. Yeah, because the fencing and everything. And obviously, Theo and Marco lived in the other house. I just remember all that. That hallway
2: that Katia explained in the story, that, you know, you, it's, you know, how long it is, right? the hallway
1: yeah, honestly yeah i remember yeah
2: so as like i'm reading the story like i can visualize this and did you ever like look down the hallway to like to look at the back part of the house and never get like chills like looking towards the bathroom i just said that yes. i
1: always get freaked out that's why i never went back back there i see the hall i can literally visualize it right now i didn't even go back there at all i don't think i ever have but because the farthest i ever went close to that area besides going to the room on the left one of the bedrooms like it was to the curtain because it was covered by curtains right cindy like there wasn't yeah i feel like at one
2: point it was yeah once but yeah most of the time it was covered yeah
1: Mm -hmm. but sometimes it was exposed i do remember because there was like it was also like a little tiny storage area so there was always stuff there but it was always spooky to me and i didn't fuck with that area at all and Mm -hmm. i just felt weirded out and like i
2: just feel like
1: i I remember thinking like can't y'all
2: just add a light <laughs> no matter what time of the day it was it was always dark was always dark always yeah no I, I i know i remember it and i know like back in episode one we were talking about like how we got into the paranormal and how i was little and started watching like ghost shows on like from the history channel yeah but I remember like talking about these ghost experiences from like my Miami days. So really, really, I think that's where like it started. It all started. started, Yeah. I started with our great grandma, our abuelito and Tata, and then all the experiences our family had truly. It's weird. Our family has had a lot of experiences. I know. Now I need all of them to send us their ghost stories. Right. I know you're <laughs> like, I
0: listening to this. Come on.
2: <laughs> like I mentioned, I do have one more listener story. So I'm going to go ahead and get into that right now. Hola, hermanas. My name is Joe Torino. I'm a paranormal investigator with War Party Paranormal. We are the largest paranormal team in Florida and are based out of West Palm Beach. We help people who are experiencing paranormal events in their homes, businesses, etc. And we also hold the public ghost hunting events at some of the most active locations around South Florida. This story takes place at one of my favorite places to investigate, the very haunted Gold Coast Railroad Museum. First, a little background on Gold. <clears throat> First, a little background on Gold Coast. The museum, as well as Zoo Miami, sits on the grounds of what was once the site of the Naval Air Station Richmond, NASR, the second largest World War II airship base in the United States that operated between 1942 and 1945. On September 15, 1945, a hurricane caused a fire in one of the hangars. The fire quickly spread the two other hangars and destroyed the hangars, blimps, 36 planes, and 150 cars. There were also several confirmed deaths from this event, but an exact number had not been released by the Navy. Back in August, my team, War Party Paranormal, had a private overnight investigation at this massive complex. Besides myself and my teammates, Mike, Eric, Ernesto, and Tim, we were joined by investigator and blogger, Aaron Egnatz of Hauntings Around America. As the sun set, we paired off and began our investigation. My partner for the night was Aaron. We started our night in the World War World II hospital car where the spirit of a child and an adult protector have been seen. We captured a few EVPs and had a couple of hits on our devices, but nothing too crazy. From there, we moved to what's called the Jim Crow car because of its segregated seating areas. The activity picked up as we investigated this car aaron and i were the only people in this car at this time and we were hearing constant footsteps as if someone was walking behind us in the baggage area we had several cat balls light up on their own as well as many hits on our REM pod and mel meter as if something was responding intelligently to the as if something was responding intelligently to the questions you we were asking We also received several Class A EVPs. One of these stood out against the rest. We asked, are you upset that we are here? The response our digital recorder picked up said, you're in danger. (gasps) At this time, we did not realize that this was a warning for things that would occur later that night. We wrapped up in the Jim Crow car and moved to an area that none of us investigated before, the mechanics room. The mechanics room is located in one of the few remaining buildings from the original base in an area the museum staff tried to avoid. They have reported hearing strange sounds, objects moving, and just an overall feeling like someone is watching them. Aaron and I walked into the darkness of this area and began our investigation. I set up a full spectrum night vision camera in the front section of the room to capture our investigation to capture our investigation and hit the record button. We set up a few devices around the room and began recording on our digital recorders. At first, all appeared quiet no hits in any devices and no EVPs. The room felt normal, but suddenly something changed. By this time, our eyes had fully acclimated to the darkness, but we both felt as if the room got darker. We also started hearing movement around the room and the room felt as if it had gotten colder. Erin and I continued our EVP session, but still nothing. Suddenly I looked up at Erin, her face had the look of fear and concern. I asked if she's okay and she tells me she's being touched. She said she could feel two separate hands running up her left leg, starting from her ankle to the crotch area. Oh my god. I get upset and yell out, I don't know who you think you are, but you cannot touch her like that. Stop touching her right now. Aaron said the hands let go of her. I asked if she's okay and if she wants to leave and take a break. Aaron says she's fine and wants to continue with the investigation. We start another EVP session and we notice the room starting to feel heavy. I asked, were you in the military? And suddenly feel like I got poked in the center of my back and then pushed toward Aaron. Upon playback on the recorder, the response we captured was, hey, I poked him. After hearing the response, both Aaron and I start hearing movement coming from all around us that I could only describe as a shark circling its prey. We both felt that if we stayed any longer, we could possibly be attacked. We decided to get out of there as fast as we could. We picked up our devices and camera and hit the exit. Now, one last strange thing occurred that I didn't notice until I was reviewing the video from that investigation. We were in that room for about 40 minutes. The only thing that my camera recorded was right after I pressed record and about 15 seconds later from when I picked up the camera. Walked out the door and then stopped recording. Nothing else from our time in there was picked up. Thanks for letting me share. Have a great one, Joe Torino, Paranormal Investigator, War Party Paranormal.
1: Oh, thanks, Joe. You're awesome. I know. Aww. I
2: remember briefly skimming
0: through this, and I got to that part um, about Aaron being touched, and I was just like, "I'm done."
2: Yeah, that's not good.
0: I I hate that. I hate that so much. It's like <sighs> frustrates me.
2: But I'm happy nothing further happened, you know, thank God. This was so scary. Um, I'm really interested in in going to that museum though. Like, I, I really I don't want to get touched, obviously, right. but I really want to go like this something like this makes me motivated to go on on a hunt. Really? Because <laughs> I mean, this makes me want to go lay in my bed and hide under the covers. <laughs> I know. But I really want to go. I'm just so scared that something would come back or like attach itself. That's my thing. I don't,
1: I don't want to be protected though. Like just wear your rosary, do a prayer before. Agreed. Agreed. Cleanse yourself. And you have to be firm and servitive. Like just be like, nothing is going to come with me. I do not allow it. Preach, Nana. Yep.
2: But another Mm. thing that scares me is like, so the times that I have been scared in my life, obviously, like, you know, from my dreams and the one time I thought dad was a ghost when I was little. (laughs) What? (laughs) But each of those times, my heart races. Like when I'm really scared, my heart races a lot. Like I can feel it. Right. So I'm scared that like, what if we're on an investigation? And then like, I'm so scared that like, I have a heart attack. (laughs)
0: I don't think uh, you would freeze. You were for sure. either freeze or faint—it's one of the two.
1: That or you <laughs> run away and push us out the way. True, you like, would you fucking leave us behind. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> and
0: my firefly like, me. Yeah. Next,
1: and she's next thing you know, she's ahead at the front door, and I'm over in the basement. still. Right. you know, because she and Alexa will beat your ass for totally. fucking leaving us behind. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, bye. I'm like, <laughs> oh my sister!
2: You guys, please let's do an investigation in 2022.
1: That's our new it's our New Year's resolution. We have to do it. That's fine, yes. Mummy. Let's meet up with our Peeps in Florida.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that was a really good that was a really good story. Thank you so much for sharing with us,
2: Joe. Um, yeah, I want to reach out to war party and be like, hey, have you guys done an a investigation at the Biltmore? If you haven't,
1: we'll go with Holla you. Holl at you. Holl at you, Hermanas. <laughs> Two for two Tuesday. Two for two Tuesday. Uh, exactly. That'd be awesome. That'd be a great learning experience too, because you know, we've never done that and like they're pros and they could give us like all the advice we need and like it'd just be nice, you know, our mentors. <laughs> right. Right. Um so also booze. As we always remind you guys, and we going to remind you again, we would really appreciate um, either it's your personal story or your family and your friends or strangers, who cares. Like, some, we need more ghost stories, point blank. And we really need somewhere we could, you know, entertain you guys too. Like, you guys keep asking for more episodes, but we can't continue on without your support, you know. Send in, you know, email us, DM us. Give us some stories. We really, really appreciate it. We'd be really, really thankful about it. Um, and also, please rate and review us. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We really appreciate that. We actually keep track of that. You know, it's really nice to see everyone's um, you know, comments and any advice as well that helps us in our podcast.
2: Yeah. Well said, say. True. All right, guys. Till next time. Yeah, thank you everybody for listening, all our boos out there. Tune oh, don't for forget to follow us talk. on social media.
1: <laughs> yes, and we're on TikTok now. <laughs> TikTok. Okay, so
2: yeah, we uh, we we uh logged into TikTok after a long time, it did, and it took I a while. and I even downloaded it. What is that? Y'all hear that? Yeah, I've been hearing that. That's like the last twenty seconds. That's fine. Is it doggy? <laughs> I think go oh, has the zoomies. Oh, Porky. my baby. So my baby. I love it. My chocolate drop. Um, where was I? Uh, I don't even know. Oh, um, how we logged into TikTok and I downloaded it on my phone. That was awesome. The video you created, Cindy. Um, I cool? got that help with. Un- she helped me download TikTok on my phone. And together we created our first video slideshow, whatever you call it. TikTok thing. Tick- that <laughs> literally
1: called
0: a TikTok. It's this TikToks girl. Uh, <laughs> she said oh, we, oh my God. <laughs> we went on PowerPoint to create a slideshow. So I, luckily, um
2: Oh, sorry. I used to say continue. No, no. So luckily, see it again.
0: So luckily, we didn't get any phone calls from some vacant rooms claiming that they needed help. Thank God, because we were oh, there wow. for like the. What is it? What do you call it? What do you guys call it?
2: Night audit or
1: graveyard shift.
2: No, the graveyard shift. Yep. We were there. Nope, the so fun. Thanks, I feel like <laughs> thanks COVID. Thanks COVID for uh, yes. keeping me short staffed. <laughs> uh, me as a general manager working the graveyard shift. Appreciate it. But <laughs> I got a lot of stuff done. Um, yeah. And so my new year's resolution is to get on TikTok and learn.
0: Yeah, you can start by watching the videos I send. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, okay.
0: And... All right. Well, thank you everybody again for listening. Tune in next time for episode number 18.
1: Oh, and Andrea, this is episode 18. <laughs> no! I swear Andrea, to you, you! So stupid, young I swear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Booze, <laughs> listeners, tune in next time for episode 19. And again, special thank you. To our amazing cousin Katia for her story and submitting the story, and also Joe, that was awesome! Yeah, Your thank you, it. everybody who sends it in. Yeah, it's been awesome! Great, yeah, all right,
2: adios y vaya con Dios. Bye, adios,
1: Bye. adios y vaya, y vaya con con Dios. Dios.